C.S. Lewis, the renowned Christian apologist, called the Job question the toughest question of all time. The question is, why do bad things happen to good people? That thought is so pervasive that it makes readers miss some of the richest parts of Job's saga. From my own academic research and personal meditation and faith journey, I suggest that it's the wrong question. I further suggest that we don't get the right answers when we ask the wrong questions. Individually, the real question we must deal with within the biblical book of Job is whether we are just going to be religious folk or whether we're going to be people of faith. For the book is the saga of Job's transformation from a good religious man to a man of faith. But it's Richard Rohr who puts this matter in even a better perspective for us. He shares that God crafts the Christian journey from order through disorder to reorder. That couldn't be more descriptive than it is of the book of Job. In the beginning of this book, there was order, but disorder quickly occurred. God called Job a servant, which really means follower. Job was called righteous, if you will, because he at least fulfilled the basic sacrificial laws and did his religious duties. But God wasn't satisfied with Job. There was a relationship without intimacy. Satan wanted to make Job curse God, and he came close. A lot of folk stand on that one thought. Job never cursed God. But you know, when you, we, we all get to the point of kind of just wanting to die, just wanting to leave stuff alone and get out of Dodge, so to speak. But Job went far beyond that. He not only wished that he had been aborted, but he cursed the moment of his conception. That's getting pretty close to cursing God. Satan didn't succeed in making him outright curse God. Job wanted to just curl up and die. While God simply wanted to transform Job's religion into a nascent faith. In the time of disorder, Job asked God more than 150 questions. But when God came to Job, he never answered a single question. That just blew my mind. I mean, of all of these questions, God, couldn't you have answered just one? But instead, God asked Job about 60 questions, depending upon which translation you're reading. Job was in a spiritual pressure cooker. 
Challenged by God and criticized by his circle of community friends, Job was about as discouraged as any person could be. In his own words, Job just wanted to S-P-I-T, spit. When you read in most translations, it says, swallow my spit. But, 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 but Job wasn't about ingesting anything more. Job needed to expectorate, if you will. Job pleaded with God to just leave him alone long enough to spit. Pressure mounted. Job exploded. He reacted to divine pressure. Tweeted from the very throne room of heaven. His three friends dissed him. Eliphaz declared, Job, you just need some correcting by God. Bildad said, Job, you don't even know God. Zophar wondered aloud if Job even was aware of God. Elihu asserted that God just might be wooing Job to a better place relationally. How insightful. Have you been there? Seeming as though God was absent and friends unaccounted for. You've been there, haven't you? I know I have. When life seems to be crashing down all around you, when you thought you were a good person and expecting to be blessed, but it seemed that only curses and misfortune arrived at your door overwhelmed to say the least. From prologue to epilogue, Job grew because he wrestled with God in the amphitheater of human crises. From the beginning, this book details God's effort to give Job what Job didn't discover. He had gained until the end of the book. However, this biblical book is quite clear that Job's faith in God didn't really kick in until the end of the book. Most folk believe still that Job was a man of great faith. Well, he wasn't for 41 chapters. He wasn't a man of faith until the 42nd chapter, which is the end of the book. God, I've been hearing about you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you with my own eyes. That's the point of faith. A whole lot of folk can tell you about God, from your grandmammy to your pappy to your pastor. But only when you see God with your own spiritual eye is that the point of faith. After 37 chapters of silence, for the most part, God responds to Job in chapter 38. Job had vaunted himself as a good man, but he needed to become a godly man. Job's own search for God netted little. He said he looked east, 
and God was not there. Job said, I looked west for you, God, and I couldn't even find you. I looked north and I didn't see you. I looked south and couldn't even catch a glimpse of you. But somehow Job was aware of the omnipotence of God, that he knew that God was somehow aware of where he was, even if he couldn't see where God was. And in the last day, in the last moment, in the ultimate time, Job hoped that he would become like pure gold. Pressure is necessary for us humans to bring out the greater or the greatest potential in us. Job was content at being a good man. God was determined to transform Job from being good to being godly. He wasn't spitting at God as a result, but the pressure was like a belly whopper. He, he did not need to swallow his spit, he just needed to throw it out. God wasn't trying to squeeze something out of Job. He was trying to squeeze something into Job. God won, y'all. He brought Job to a place of humility, a place of trust, a place of dependence. As Job declared in the last chapter of the book, God, I've been hearing about you through the hearing of the year, but, 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 but yeah, nah, 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 I got it because I can see you with my own eyes. Y'all, your, your, your own suffering, your own strife, your own losses, your regrets, your failings, nor mine may, may have reached the magnitude of Job's, but, but just like in Job's life, God is transforming a good person into a godly person. I remember the Sunday that I was sitting in church up in the balcony at Sharon, and after the pastor finished preaching, I jumped up and Ran down those steps and, as they say, gave, gave the pastor my hand and gave the Lord my heart. But when we got home after church, Mama was preparing dinner and putting it on the table. Daddy sat me down and just asked me one question. Paige, do you know what that means? I don't remember how I answered my dad, but I'll never forget his next statement. He said, that means you've got to be a good girl now. Well, at seven, how bad could I have been? <laughs> sure, I cheated a little bit in hide and seek with the girls and boys. I said, no, you didn't tag me. I'm not out. But, 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 but how, how bad could I have been at seven? But daddy's words stuck with me. At 16, it wanted to make me live a chaste life. At 21 and married, 
I was faithful. As a professional, I was diligent and committed. But then, as I grew in the Lord, I, I realized that God wasn't satisfied with me just being good. God was determined to transform me like he did with Job, and I'm sure with you, into a godly person. Turning a less meaningful relationship into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. Long story short, I learned how to spit. When my very first flight was across the Atlantic Ocean, it forced me to face my own mortality. And various pressures subsequent to that buckled my knees more than once, plus the sudden passing of my mom while I was in seminary threw me into a deep sense of mourning. Yeah, I, I felt that, that God sent pressure that, that transformed the, the religion I enjoyed into the faith I needed. Like Job, sometimes our God is just too small until we learn how to spit. Previously, Job's God was too small. And Job's estimation of himself was too great. Job's story and my story and your story are, are perfect examples of, of how religion demands superiority. We think we're good just because we, we've done the right kinds of things going to church and in church and after church. But God demands humility. For Job in chapter 42, the wrestle was over. It was time to nestle with God. But I hear God saying to Job, get ready to rumble. Because God's questions punched at Job like a boxing match. But the important thing was, when God finished asking his questions, such as, where were you, Job, when I made the stupid crocodile? Where were you, Job, when I flung the stars into the sky? Where were you, Job? Are you able to make the eagle fly? So all of God's questions ultimately put Job and his understanding of himself in perspective. What does it mean to spit? Well, it means to let go of your tension and frustration. What does it mean to spit? It means to let go of the pain that accompanies change. What does it mean to spit? It means to, to let go of that which has already been lost. What does it mean to spit it? It signals your readiness to receive what, what God has 
for you. What does it mean to spit? It means to move beyond regret, embarrassment, and failure. What does it mean to spit? It's simply learning to recalibrate your life after expectations have not been met. What does it mean to spit? It means to let go of the old ways and reach for new ways. I wish I could take all of you outside for a quick moment and just let you Enjoy it the next time as you let go of what's been taken from you and you reach towards God for what he yet has to give you.